Jesus is faithful. Jesus is inspiration. Jesus is my purpose to be alive. Jesus is freedom. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is my second Jesus chance. is my strength. Jesus is Jesus is, Jesus is everything. Jesus is laughter. Jesus is my confidence. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is peace. Jesus is creators. An artist. Jesus is out of this world. My reality. Jesus is legit. Jesus is my restorer. Jesus is. Jesus is. Hey, good morning. Good to see all of you guys here today. Hope you're fired up to be here. And uh, I want to say if you're a guest, could we turn on all the lights? Because I can't see you guys in the back. There you are. Uh, well, I just want to welcome you. Uh, if you're, especially if you're a guest here today, if this is your first time here, uh, I just want to say we're so fired up you're here. We're missing a few people. As you can tell, uh, all of, a lot of our marrieds are at a retreat in Palm Springs. I was there yesterday with my wife. Tremendous event. And uh, I'm glad they're not here because they're where they need to be, uh, getting worked on, getting tooled in their marriage. And uh, what a tremendous time. Got to see some uh, old friends, Alan Gloria Baird. Uh, we're teaching the classes there. Heroes for me, 72 years old. Uh, and I just, I just say, you know what? The, the path is marked out for me in my marriage. Uh, you know, Jesus and great examples who are following Jesus. Uh, tremendous, tremendous time uh, yesterday. So, hey, we're in the middle of a series called Jesus Is. And we've been unpacking and exploring this whole idea of who is Jesus really? Because uh, a lot of us have an idea of, you know, we've been brought up a certain way. We've been exposed to religion. You know, I, I was, and, and I've seen it in different countries. And you go, wait a minute, I'm not sure this is Jesus because, and, and that's what this whole series is about, is to really bring us closer to who really is Jesus from the Scriptures, what the Scriptures teach about Jesus. Uh, so we've been looking at these things, and just to kind of give you an idea, if you're, this is your first time here, let you know uh, who we are, what we're about. This is our vision statement as a church. Love God, live change, and light the way. Uh, someone came up to my wife yesterday at the marriage retreat and said, so, Laura, what's the vision statement for the church? And so, boom, she just, you know, they, so maybe that'll happen, you know, but it, it's love God, live change, light the way. This is who we want to be. This is, this, is, this is what we want to do. And, you know, you've already heard all this stuff that's happening in our world today. What does our world need today? They need a, they need a light. They need someone to show them, hey, there's, there's hope for this world. That Jesus is. And, and this is who we want to be. Love God, live change, and, and light the way. So this is part five today of our series uh, that we've been doing, Jesus Is. So important. And if you missed any of it, I'm going to go back over all five or all four of the classes right now in about five minutes. Okay, you ready? Okay, so just put your seatbelt on and, okay, and ready to write real fast. No, I'm just kidding. I just want to go back over it. For week one, we talked about Jesus' scandalous grace. Scandalous grace. What a class. Uh, and this, this helped me. And if you missed it, you can go on our website. You can watch it, hear it. Uh, this is something I, I, I need to be reminded of over and over again as it pertains to people around me because sometimes we have a limit in what we're willing to forgive. Uh, Jesus didn't have a limit. And, and that's an amazing thing, so encouraging, this class. And Jesus is your friend. We talked about that. And even if you're a person that feels separated from God because of your behavior, because of the things that you've done, you feel guilted out, guess what? Jesus was a friend of who? 
sinners, people who were in a lot of trouble, you know, in society, and they were outcasts, they were pushed away. Jesus said, hey, I want to be your friend, and I want to forgive you and give you a brand new start. And then we looked at Jesus, the point, uh, Anthony did this one, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we, we, we want to flower up Jesus, we want to come to church and be entertained and things like that. And now listen, Jesus is plenty. Jesus is plenty for us. He is the point. He's the beginning and the end. And then number four, last week Mike did it, Jesus is alive. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and he's alive in a lot of people. Here's some encouraging news. In every place that there is this kind of craziness, guess who's on the ground ministering to people who are hurting? Whether it's Syria, Turkey, you know, the Middle East and Asia, even in Paris, France, the church of Jesus Christ is there with people who are injured, and they're praying with them, they're ministering to them, they're helping them. And I just want to encourage you with that, that Jesus is alive, and he's ministering to people in their time of biggest need. So this is what we've looked at the last four weeks, and today we're going to jump into something that I think we need desperately in the church. You need desperately in the church. Here's one of the reasons. The holidays are coming up, right? Guess what that means? Dun, 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 dun. You're going to be with family, right? Here comes Thanksgiving. Here comes Christmas and the holidays, and you're going to be with family, right? Now let me just ask you a question. Family's awesome, isn't it? But there's another side you go, mm, I don't know if I'm going to want to see him or if I want to see her. And, you know, family's weird because how can you feel so fired up about your family and yet still feel weird and kind of like it brings up all this stuff, right? Uh, it's so blissful, yet it's so awkward, right? Like, like family, family does things that nobody else does. Family eats the last piece of pie. Family will walk up to you and say, hey, you've put on a lot of weight, haven't you? Dude, you don't look good. Right? Family does that kind of stuff, right? They get under your skin. Family sometimes is annoying. Right? You spend a lot of time. Here's, here's, some, here's some quotes of, of some, some uh, famous comedians. I wanted to share with you uh, some of these quotes. Okay, you ready? Family. Uh, the first guy is George Burns. He was a comedian, old school. He says this, happiness is having a large, caring, close-knit family in another state. <laughs> it's another awesome one, uh, Jeff Foxworthy. I, I love Jeff Foxworthy. He says, uh, if you're starting to feel like you're ha you have the goofiest, craziest, most dysfunctional family in the world, all you have to do is go to the county fair and spend a day. And as you look around and see five minutes, you look at the other families that are there at the fair, you're going to see, man, my family's not so bad anymore, is it? I mean, I think my family's pretty awesome. I think, I think my family's almost royalty compared to some of these families. And the last one, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. You know, we hear all this, this quoting that people say, uh, uh, fun for the whole family. Well, Jerry Seinfeld says there, there is no such thing as fun for the whole family. 
Because there's always somebody in the family that's not having a good time, right? But here's my point talking about family. Too often when we talk about happiness or unhappiness, we hook our wagon to our family. See, because the family affects how we turn out, right? And too often we blame our family for not being happy. Or for some of us, maybe, you know, a few of us, we say, well, I'm happy, you know, because I was raised in a good family. Careful with that. See, and Jesus came to tell us that family is not dependable for your happiness. For people who come from a really messed up family, that's good news. You know why? They can overcome their bad family dynamic, right? They don't have to say, well, I'm unhappy because of my family. No, see, my happiness does not depend on my family. My happiness goes deeper. It's greater than my family dynamic. And it's getting even more intense in the area of family. And so I got some really great news for you today. So let me just ask you a question. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Uh, is it a package at the door when you get home? You know, oh, I got something, you know. Here, the crazy thing about our society today, you, it can be Christmas almost all the time, you know, that the, the delivery man leaves a package and you go, oh, it's Christmas and I got a package. Does that make you happy? And, or maybe it's you got a promotion. Maybe it's, uh, you know, fame, fortune, whatever it is. The, the big question is how long does that happiness last? How long does it last? And, and Jesus came to really help us understand what is joy, what is true happiness, what is true happiness. And, and so today what we're going to look at, Jesus is, Jesus is happy. Jesus is happy. And, and i got to talk about this because I think for some of us in our religious experience, whatever it was, we didn't see this. Let me give you some examples. These are portraits that people have painted in their understanding of Jesus. Okay? How they saw Jesus, they painted Jesus. So let's look at some portraits. All right? First one. Is Jesus happy in this portrait? I call this uh, angry Jesus. This is angry Jesus or serious Jesus. Basically with his eyes, he's asking the question, what are you doing? What's up with you? You know? This is angry Jesus. Uh, this is peace out Jesus. Okay, this is peace out Jesus. And now, this is also uh, well-manicured Jesus. I mean, he had the awesome shaver. He's even got a little makeup on here. And I'm going, is that, is that Jesus in Palestine? Is that Jesus of the Bible? But again, is he smiling? Is he happy, Jesus? Peace out, Jesus. Now, this is, this is a, I see right through you, Jesus. Okay? I know what you did last night, Jesus. Okay? I got you. See, I'm, I see you. I see what you're doing. Okay? Is this Jesus? Now, I, this is uh, frowning Jesus. I don't know if he's, can't make out if he's mad, sad, but I know what he's doing. He's looking at me right now. 
So I'm feeling a little uncomfortable with this Jesus. Okay, can I stand over here? Okay, he's looking at you. <laughs> so, you know, when you see all this, and, and let me just say, I, I spent, I spent uh, 10 years doing mission work in Latin America. I saw a lot of this. And I went into cathedrals. I went into, uh, you know, churches. And there were a lot of portraits and, you know, even stained glass of Jesus. This is what you see. The majority of the Jesuses that I saw were sad, serious, mad Jesus. And it's no wonder. Because if you look at religious leaders, and if we do a gut check ourselves of how we see Jesus and how we're displaying Jesus ourselves as, quote, followers of Jesus, do we look like this? You know? Somebody sees you and says, hey, is Jesus in you? And they can look right in your face and say, you know, uh, look, that looks like you. You got to frown. And, and, and it's sad because I think this is what sometimes people get pushed off or put off about following Jesus, Christianity. And I just got to say this to us, guys, and I'm saying it to myself. Are we representing Jesus? If you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, people are looking at you and they're saying, hey, where in the next generation, where is Jesus? I want to see Jesus. And if they see this, is that Jesus? I got to show you how I see Jesus from the Scriptures. Here he is, okay? Here's Jesus, how I see him in the Scriptures. There's Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's happy Jesus. You guys don't believe me, right? Because you're, you're so wrapped up in your tradition and your world. Oh, you, that can't be Jesus. Jesus has to be serious. Jesus is holy. You come to church, you're reverent. You don't laugh in church. You're quiet. Shh. Hey, what are you doing smiling, Brian? This is church. Show reverence, holiness. Okay, now, that's kind of, you know, and I, I was raised in that environment, man. Me and my brother would cut up a little bit in church. And, man, I got, the, I got the, the, the brain duster. You ever heard, know what a brain duster is? Brain dusters, you get, bam, and the dust comes off of your brain. It, and I get that backhand from my, from my dad or from my mom. You don't do that in church. Serious. Shh. This is Jesus. How, how do I know this is Jesus? When you think about children, Children approach Jesus. Parents with their children in their arms approach Jesus. And they felt a comfortability with bringing their children to Jesus. What child wants to be near Jesus if he's freaky Jesus? What, what draws children to people? Happy, right? Happy face, a smiling face. This, 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 Jesus, right, this Jesus right here does not draw anybody. I don't want to be near that person unless I want to help them. But this, this is, I envisioned Jesus when he was with his disciples. They, they, they laughed. You know, they, they, they cut up a little bit, you know. It wasn't serious all the time, you know. And, and, and then we've been talking about this for the last three weeks. What kind of people felt approachable with Jesus? 
sinners. Now, I've spent a lot of time with sinners in my life. I used to be a very serious professional sinner, okay? And I still have a lot of friends who are sinners. Still consider myself, you know, a, a sinner, but I'm saying high-level sinner, out there, public knowledge sinners. What kind of people do sinners want to hang around with? Happy people, okay? Because sinners are, on the outside, kind of happy people, right? They love to party. They love to laugh. They love to joke around, you know. It's always, but inside there's something that's hurting, that's missing, right? But because Jesus was happy, they said, I want that. I don't have that. I try to have that through all my vices and all my parties and all my girls and all my stuff. I try to have that, but I really don't have that. And here's a holy man who's got that. See, because the priests and the religious leaders did not have that. So they weren't drawn to them, but they were drawn to Jesus. Children and sinful people were drawn to Jesus. What's that tell you about Jesus? There he is. Now, did Jesus get angry at times? Absolutely. But with who? And about what? And I, I just want to encourage you. If there's one thing I want to encourage you to do is read about Jesus for yourself. Get to know the real Jesus. Don't take a portrait's perspective or religious experience viewpoint of who Jesus is. Because, see, that's wrong. You need to get to know Jesus for yourself. And that's what this whole series is about, that, that we can understand Jesus even more. Now, how do I know Jesus was like this? Because let's look at how Jesus started out. The announcement of Jesus is coming. And this is a, a verse that's read in Christmas. Every Christmas, Luke chapter 2, if we can make this just a little smaller, Luke chapter 2 in verse 8 and 9, it says, and this was the announcement, shepherds were in the fields, and there, was, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, what? Say this together with me. Good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? No, 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 just the people in this church. People in the church down the street don't get any of this. Only our church. Only the church. Right? That's not what the angels said. The angels said, for who? Great joy, not a little joy, great joy. Great joy for who? People in China? People that don't go to church? People that don't believe in Jesus? Yeah. People who don't live a life that Jesus approves of? Yeah. All people. Great news for everybody. Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the, of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
This was a party. I mean, the angels showed up and there was great joy. I mean, phenomenal joy on the announcement of Jesus' coming. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's not heavy news. It's like, okay, he's going to expose you. He's going to bring you into judgment. No, no, no. This is what This is what the announcement was that Jesus came to bring and his favor rests on whom? Anybody who will accept him and follow him no matter what your background. This is awesome news. This was the the announcement of Jesus' coming. So what did Jesus bring? Jesus brought incredible joy. In fact, so you understand, Jesus and joy are synonymous. Jesus and joy are one single thought and word. Because Jesus came to announce this, and then when Jesus passed on, passed on his ministry to the apostles, look at what he said here. He said, he said to them, go into all the world and preach what? The gospel. To all creation. What does the word gospel mean? The word gospel literally means good news. Not bad news, not heavy news, good news. When somebody tells you and walks up to you and says, hey, I got good news for you, how does that make you feel? I mean, when my wife or my family says that to me, I I get fired up automatic. Let's go. Tell me what it is. I want to know what's some good news. Have you heard some good news today? Well, I'm here to tell you some really, really great news today on your Sunday morning. The reason you got up is to know the fact that God loves you. He's for you. He wants to bless you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants to teach you to un- unravel all this mess you've been making with your life and your relationships. That's awesome news, isn't it? If you're feeling guilty today over what happened yesterday, Jesus got great news for you. I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to give you a fresh start. You know, what we experienced yesterday at the marriage retreat was incredible. We talked about one word. One word. You know what that word is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is awesome news. In a marriage, to know that you're forgiven is great news because you make a lot of mistakes in marriage. I, for one, have made a lot of mistakes in the 25 years that I've been married, going on 26. Made a lot of mistakes. Forgiveness is awesome. When, When Al started preaching about forgiveness, you know what I said? Preach that. Preach that more, louder. Say it more because I need forgiveness. That's good news, isn't it? That's what Jesus came to preach. But let me ask you a question. Are are, are you sharing the good news with people? What's your good news? Are you walking around with good news in your heart? And and let's just be honest. Who created laughter? You like to laugh. Everybody, you know that if you laugh, you're going to live longer? Studies have shown that. Who created laughter? Who ensured the fact that if you laugh more, you live longer? Who, who, who figured that out? God did. He created you. You like to laugh, don't you? That's why you listen to comedians. You cut up with your friends. You try to be funny, and you're not that funny. And we laugh at that. 
because it's really not funny, so it's funny that you're not funny. Sense of humor. Who came up with that? Who created that? And sense of humor is weird, isn't it? I mean, we, we laugh at the weirdest things. People, people trip and, and, and they stumble. And you go, why do we do that? Why do we laugh at people when they're, fumb- when they're stumbling around? Or when they drop something? Who created that? God did. So Jesus was there when God created us and created our sense of humor. Don't you think that Jesus had these characteristics, that Jesus laughed? I believe Jesus laughed out loud. And that's why the disciples and people were drawn to him. Yeah, the teaching was awesome, but there was something about Jesus. They said, man, I want to be with Jesus. And here's the teaching. The teaching was very different than the religious leaders. Yeah, it was clear. It was straight. It was taught with authority. But there was a lot of this. And and our ability to have fun. Who doesn't like to have fun? I mean, I want to have fun. But who created that? God created that. Jesus helped God, was there with God when he created these. So let me ask you a question. Are you laughing? Are are you, are you like, is this you? And I'm saying, if it isn't, then you need more of Jesus. You need more of Jesus. Because one of the things that that you're going to find out is, you know, and, and, and I love this, I love this portrait too, because This is the scene here, parents bringing their children to Jesus so that Jesus would bless them. But parents have to, would parents bring their children to somebody creepy and mad and ready to point the finger and you, you, look at this child, you messed up, what's wrong with you? They wouldn't do that. I mean, would you put, would you bring, and, and, and let's just be honest, you know, we've got Santa Claus coming up in the Christmas shopping malls, and people bring their children, and kids freak out. They scream when they see Santa Claus. Right? Who's this creepy guy with the white beard and red and rosy? No. But they didn't do that with Jesus. In fact, the apostles had to tell people, get these kids out of here. There's too many kids. This isn't a place for kids. This is adult business. And Jesus rebuked them. He said, no, you let the children come to me. I'm all access for children. I love children. Children are what I'm about. In fact, he said, if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to be what? Like a little child. What do children love to do? They love to be happy. They don't want to be all serious. You know, and, you, you, and, and us as parents, we want to calm them down. Hey, sh- uh, stop being happy. <laughs> Quit that. Okay? And, and that, that, that's, not, that's not Jesus. Jesus, this is Jesus, you know? Hebrews chapter 1. Again, talking about Jesus. This, this, was, this was the prophecy about Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God... Has, has set you above your companions, companions by anointing you with what? The oil of joy. How would you like to be anointed with the oil 
of joy. Man, give me some of that. Give me some of that. Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. Again, as I said before, joy and Jesus were synonymous. If, you're not, if you don't have joy, guess what you don't have? And I, I just got to be honest with some of us, and I had to do an evaluation myself. See, because I'm a pretty happy person in my nature. But when I'm in public, and I, and I got a confession to make, when I'm in public, I'm happy. But when I'm alone, in private, there's moments where I'm not happy. And you know what? When I was doing this class, I said, you know what? I need more Jesus. Because if, if a, genuine, a genuine faith in Jesus is, is something that produces joy all the time, even in trouble. In fact, I, I just got to share this with you guys because it was pretty intense. The couple that did the marriage retreat yesterday, Alan Gloria Baird, she has cancer right now that's come back. It's come back. And you know when cancer comes back, it's not good, is it? Not, the, not something to be fired up about. But Gloria Baird was happy. And, and we met with her and Al in private, and we met with them in public. It was both. It was the same. This, this woman had joy in spite of the fact that she's got some real serious challenges. She doesn't know if she's going to be around very long. Because when cancer comes back, sometimes it comes back with a fury. But what I'm telling you is, if you don't have joy, you need more of Jesus. And I just got to say this as a church. We, as a church, need more joy. We need more joy. And how do we get more joy? We need more of Jesus. Jesus needs to be more our focus. Not our circumstances. Not our predicament in life, not our ups and downs, and, oh, I feel good today, and tomorrow, who knows? You need more of Jesus, okay? Because Jesus can teach you how to be full of joy. The Bible's full of words like this, joy, rejoicing, blessing, happiness, and peace. Happiness is a natural result of knowing God and experiencing his love. This is something deep and powerful that in spite of your predicament in life, it can be incredible. After Christmas is over and the credit card bill comes and the reality sets in, there can still be joy. There can still be joy. In fact, if you rest your, look at, look at this passage. This is so awesome. I love this passage. 1 Peter 1, verse 8 and 9. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your, soul, your, your souls. Here's what I got to tell you. Some of us can look at faith and joy and God and Jesus. It's too good to be true. You know, because we're more realistic type of people, right? As is too good to be true. You know, if it's too good to be true, it's God. See, because it is. 
that you could come back here week after week and be forgiven of your sins and, and forgiven of the stuff that you've been doing again and again and again. Too good to be true. But that's God. The way he loves us, it's too good to be true. But it is true. It is true. I don't see him. The first time as a young Christian that I experienced this passage, I read this for the first time and I said, that's it. See, because I got something, and it's like, it's a relationship with God. It's something inside of me, and I'm, I'm just exploding. I'm, I'm excited. But you know what happens with time? You can lose this. See, because you're so focused on your predicament on the outside and, and circumstantial living, you lose this. And you become grounded in other things. And you let people, you let circumstances get under your skin. And you say, well, that just, that's just kind of how I am. Some of you guys, you can use that excuse to say, well, that's how I was raised. I'm not a happy person. I'm more of a serious person. I'm more of a melancholy type of person. You know what you aren't? You're not a follower of Jesus. And that's what we need to wrap our arms around. As hard as that is to hear, you got to go, you know what? It's true. I had to do it. In those private moments, there's days that I walk out of church on Sunday and I'm not happy because I hear a lot of problems. I hear a lot of stuff. In fact, let's just get real. You know, there is a business of bad news. Did you know this? There are people that are in the business of bad news. I'll give you a great example. Go watch the news. I mean, it's like, really? Do I need all this bad news? And, there, and some people, they just go home, I, I got to watch the news, let's go. Mm. And you get this news channel, this news channel, and what is it? This is wrong, this is wrong, this guy's wrong, and this person, this candidate, uh, this situation. And, and, I, and it's real, guys. I mean, I know, I know there's stuff that's going on out there in the world that's real. It's sad. It's, it's, and, and Mike was right on when he said, you know, we can get numb to it. But I promise you, you hear enough bad news, you're, you're going to become numb, but it's, it's going to steal your joy. And when I hear bad news like the stuff that happens, and the stuff that happened yesterday or Friday in Paris, France is tragic, but you know what it says to me? This represents an absence of Jesus. This tells me clearly this world is lost without Jesus. How could people be filled with so much hatred in the name of a religion? That's not Jesus. Jesus wouldn't, would, did not come here to represent that. Bitterness, anger, rage, hatred. I don't want any part of that. It draws me to Jesus, and it draws me to my knees, and I say, God, Jesus, help us, help us as a church, help your church around the world to project Jesus, because it's obviously we don't have him. That's my prayer through this tragedy. But the thing that happened in Paris is one thing that you hear about because the news media blasts it. Do you know how many other situations that are exactly the same that you don't hear about? Do you know that in Indonesia they're burning churches and killing Christians? In Africa, it's, it's, it's almost daily, and we don't hear about it. I mean, it's bad. There's a lot of bad news out there. But that doesn't mean you have to wrap your life and your heart around it. It's, it's another reason we need Jesus. 
This world needs Jesus. I need Jesus. And don't be one of those bad news people. We got people in our church that love to wrap around bad news and they come to me and they say, oh, well, this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong. And I go, yeah, we're a mess. I know. But will you pray? And will you be a part of the solution? Will you project joy and faith? Because it's not about how we're doing right now because there's going to be highs and lows. It's about Jesus. That he's here, his favor is on us, he's with us in the good and the bad, in the hard and the, the, the difficult. This is Jesus. If you could bring this in. I got a couple more verses and then we're going to wrap it up. This is Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is a really powerful uh, 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 history about a time in Israel's history where their city, the, the, the big city, the capital of God in Zion, was destroyed. I mean, just leveled, burned down. Nehemiah came to, to, to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. It was a really difficult time because basically you walk into the city and you're walking over rocks and destroyed things. Everything was a shambles, like a war zone, literally. So the people felt very sad. I mean, our predicament is really sad. And look at what Nehemiah said to them. He said, listen, stop, guys. Stop, because this is a result of things that we've done. But look at how good God is. He said, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. In other words, hey, you've got to make the most of the time that you're in right now, and this will help you. Go give something to somebody else who doesn't have any. In and of itself will produce joy when you help somebody who's hurting. That will produce joy. But he goes on and he says this. This is really cool. He says, this day is holy to our Lord. Don't grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So let me ask you a question. What's your strength? What's your strength? Is it your money? Is the food? Is it your grades? And those are good. I mean, it, hey. But what's at the core? Is it relationship? See, because I see a lot of people, they wrap their whole life, their joy around those things, and then what happens? Those things come undone. And their joy is in the tank. You know, and, and even exercise. I like to exercise. I like to be, in stre- I like to be strong. But I can tell you this, when I get sick with the flu, I'm, I'm not feeling fired up. And that's ups and downs. So what he's saying is here, the joy of the Lord, make that your strength. Make that your strength. Well, how do I get it, Nehemiah? And the, the, what I love about this passage is, is that this was happening at a really, really bad time. And he said, don't focus on the ruins of our city. Don't focus on all the problems. Don't focus on the bad news business. Focus on the Lord. Let him, let the joy that he gives be your strength. This is is an incredible prayer that any one of us can pray at a time of need when we're not feeling joy. You know when David wrote this psalm? You can read it for yourself. The very top part of the psalm, he says he wrote this psalm after he had been confronted by the prophet Nathan for adultery and murder. Boom! Imagine how you're feeling at that moment when you're confronted for your sin. And what was David's prayer?
prayer at this time. And that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible's not frosted flakes and candy-coated, and, and, and it is straight exactly how it is. Look at what David prayed. He said, he said restore to me the joy of your salvation. Rejoice to me the, the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit, because, you know, I've had a rebellious spirit. I know I have. That's what he's saying. I've been rebellious. I've gone against you, God. And I'm suffering the consequences of my rebellion. He says, help me. Help me have a willing spirit. Help me to change. You know, and some of you, you've had a, a resistant spirit. That's a nice way of saying you're being rebellious, stubborn, prideful. You've had a resistant spirit. He says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. But this, this past year, restore to me the joy of and some people translate this and they say, the joy of my salvation. No, it's, it's, it's his. It's his salvation and he gives it to you. If there's one thing you can be fired up about, the joy of your salvation. God, see, God's made me a promise that no one can take away. That he's going to take, take care of me after I die. That's why Jesus came, to put death to an end. If there's one thing you can be fired up about in your life, it's that. See, because everything else, it's going to have some ups and downs, isn't it? And, and, I, and I'm saying if this, is, if this is something that we need, uh, I just want to encourage you, if, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to be fired up about this. And I just want to say this as a church, guys, we need to be happier. Some of you are not happy. And you need to deal with why you're not happy. Some of you are not happy because you haven't forgiven people. You're holding resentment and you're holding stuff in and you're hurting your relationships. And you're, you're like stiff-arming God because you will not forgive and you will not let go. And you, you are affecting people. And there's no way. You say, well, I'm going to be happy in spite of it. No, you're not. It's like an infection. It's like a cancer. It will eat you up from the inside. And it's time that we decide, God, I want to be happy, but really happy, not temporary, temporarily happy. I mean really happy. That's why Jesus came. Jesus is happy. He's not mad at you. He wants to, he wants to lead you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to teach you how to live your life and how to have this. So this week, I, I just want to encourage you to ask these questions. Is joy part of your daily life? Monday morning, when you wake up and you're going to that work that you don't love to do, five in the morning, are you, are you filled with joy? If you're not, then you got to come to the conclusion that you need more of Jesus. You need a closer relationship with Jesus. And then number two, what are some practical ways that can make the joy of the Lord your strength? You know, if you want to get stronger, what do you do? You work out, right? It's pretty simple. If you want to get your heart stronger, cardiovascular. If you want the joy of the Lord to become your strength and wrap your mind, your life around more of what is truly. You know, and I, I listen to a lot of music that helps me with this. 
You know, and there's times I got to carry a verse around. There's times I got to be reminded. I try to surround myself with people that are going to help me too, to remind me of who I am and what I have. Okay? There's practical things you can do. And prayer is huge. Some of you are so independent of God. It's time to to say, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Give me joy right now, God. And then the last one is decide to know and move closer to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. God, I want to get to know Jesus. Will you? And then, and then read the Gospels. Okay? Pray to know. Read books about. There's so many great books about Jesus. Invest time to get to know Jesus instead of spending so much time on the business of bad news. Stay away from that. Limit that. Because it's not good for any of us. Right now we're going to take the communion. And uh, communion basically means the remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He, he, he gave his body, which is the bread that we're going to take. It, it, it reminds us of his body that was broken so we could be forgiven. And then the, the fruit of the vine, which is the grape juice, reminds us of Jesus' blood that was poured out for us so we could be washed of all the stuff that's holding us back. A new beginning, but it came at a price. You know what I love about communion? It's a reminder that Jesus and God love me this much. And they're willing to spare no expense to restore my relationship with him. He's ready to go to great lengths for me. So I decide in communion, I want to go great lengths for you, God. And I want, as Mike said, I want to be a difference maker in this world. If you will show joy and inner joy that God gives, man, our world needs this. So I pray that you will pray that prayer this week. Let's pray for the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, God, that you give us joy. And I thank you that Jesus is happy. And we pray that we can be happy as a church and that, that, Father, we can have the, the joy of salvation. Father, forgive us for letting bad news and, and our own shortcomings and, and stuff, circumstantial stuff, drown out our joy. God, we pray for more joy. And we pray in the, in, 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 in the middle of hard times that we can find joy. Father, bless us and thank you for the cross of Jesus. Thank you for Jesus' body and blood that were broken for us. And we ask you, God, uh, to, to be with us and forgive us. We lift up Jesus right now, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.